You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. I don't think anyone has ever clapped before. There's usually, you know, coming from the being a former biology teacher, it's usually once I get up and speak, people go, but, well, I wasn't going to talk a, a little bit about what I do, but I'll give the quick elevator spiel of, of my role uh, at Lifeline Children's Services. And so Lifeline Children's Services, we do a lot of things. It's an international organization. Uh, we do global adoption. We do domestic adoption. We do pregnancy counseling and care for moms and unexpected pregnancies. We work in the foster care area, working with foster care families. We do family counseling and we do family preservation. So family preservation is kind of my piece. Um, I am the South Dakota director of Harbor Families. And so what we do is there's kind of a gap um, with families in crisis before foster care is necessary, before family gets into a crisis so deep that children need to be removed from the home. Until at Harbor Families, what we do, we're piloting this thing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, with plans we're moving to the other side of the state. Uh, early in 2024, and we're going to spread across the state of South Dakota. And then eventually, we're now having conversations of potentially bringing Harbor families across all 50 states. But what we do is we try to enter in, we we enter into the, the crisis cycle of a family before it gets to the point where children are being neglected or harmed or anything like that. So parents were struggling with some sort of crisis, whether it's medical mental health, um, addiction of different kinds, any sorts of different things. Before that family gets too deep in a crisis, we enter in and we work with churches all across, all in Sea Falls, and we have host families that will take care of children for a short period of time while mom and dad get the help that they need. So whether they need to go to addiction counseling or a rehab or they have medical issues that these families don't have extended family or safe friends where their kids can be cared for in a safe way. And so we survive the family. We survive a mentor to walk alongside them. She helped them work through the crisis that they're dealing with. The hope is the whole purpose of what we do is to help parents level up, so to speak, to rise above the current crisis that's negatively affecting their family so that when they are reunited with their kid, they are functioning as best as any of us can, right? None of us are ever the best parents, uh, but we are the best that we can be. And so we help them do that to avoid. In a way, you should say it's almost foster care of wood. Not that foster care is bad, but we work to help heal families before it gets to that crisis point with foster care is deemed necessary to care. Yeah. So we're piloting that to Steve Falls. Um, and in the last, well, it was 40, 43, we provided safe place for we're at 53 kids while 38 sets of parents have worked in all sorts of different things. Uh, well, that's what I do. Um, used to be a pastor, used to be a teacher, used to work for a discipleship, leadership development organization. And this where I'm at, it's like the intersection of three different paths was them. And so this preaching thing is something that I love. I actually miss it. I was a pastor for the previous six years before starting this 
this earlier this year. Um, and so we're here, we're in the Advent season and it feels a little weird being in Advent season, but I'm not in this role. Um, and so thank you. I know it wasn't your choice to have you here necessarily, but I'm here. So thank you for being so kind and well. Um, so we're in John 1, and I'm going to start reading uh, John 1 from the beginning through a few verses. We're going to zero in on some of it, but I'm going to read from verse 1 through verse 14, and then we'll dive into some pieces of it. So if you have your Bible or you have the app, open up to John 1 in your Bible, and the heading is the Word became flesh. That's the incarnation, right? The Word became living, be walking among us. And so it starts in verse 1. We'd have a quick. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. There it is. I'm a little like. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, a real quick clarification before I jump into the rest. So, light. And you've probably heard this before, but light was kind of represents the presence of God. In the light, there is hope. In the light, there is possibility. In darkness, darkness is representative of the absence of God, the hopelessness. There is no possibility in the and so understanding in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, hope, the possibility of all mankind. The light, that hope shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome. There was a man sent from God, and his name was John. This is always the confusion. And people always say, you know, if you're a new Bible reader, start with the book of John. I've always thought that, like these first nine verses are some of the most confusing verses in the entire Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. What? And then he's talking about John. So is John talking about himself in the third person, or is he a different John? But, you know, many of you know this, but I always think, okay, maybe read John, but maybe skip. Start with chapter 2. It'll be a little less confusing. But he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, concerning that hope concerning that possibility so that through him all might believe. This John himself was not there. He came only as a witness he was that light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world and through him the world of uh, and though the, I'm already confusing myself, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not besiege him. Yet all he did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The wood became flesh and made his dwelling among them. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son, he came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into some of the Heavenly Father. He thanks you for your word, not just the written one, but the faith. 
real. But Father, we thank you that this written word lived with us and it, it lit and acted and breathing and it was transformed and it can change everything. We said, Father, open our eyes to see you, open ears to hear you, open our minds and our hearts and transformed by you when there's a word. Allow my words to match a replay and what you have. We have, we go here. We go here. The word became twice. Not a fairy state. But this one. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came. This is. He's bringing up the light. The talking, he starts talking before we're really going to dive into verses 9 through 14. But I go back here because this is where he starts bringing up the light. And so we need to understand that before Jesus came, they have the written word of God, right? They have the stories of how God had worked throughout the Old Testament. They have the story of God, God's presence and how God was moving through his people. And so they have the written word. They have the written light, the written hope, the written possibility in front of them. So why did the people who already have the light of the written law need to have the light? The light as the living expression of true morality. Why did they need to have the light identified or made flesh? Who is it? If you think about this, they had the word, they had the stories, they had the history of their people walking through the sea and not even getting their feet wet. They had all these stories, all this history of God being real and God being present and God being redeeming. We needed something more. The light as an awareness of morality reflected God's holiness. But somehow this art remain elusive. We have the word, we have the stories, we have the history of God's presence with his people. But the true heart of God, somehow ye as humanity be lost that along the way. And so we needed the reality. Well, the written word was present in clear reading. If you look back and you read in the Old Testament, you see how God's people missed the point, how often God's people missed the mark, how often they kept straying away. And the whole current God is thinking, you I can only imagine, I can't I, I dare imagine or say what God was thinking, but I imagine God thinking, Come on, people. You've got it. But say, you know what? I've got one. That's something else that you need. And that she will be jumping. True life that gives light to everyone. Um, true life. The true life. The New Testament concept of truth that is being steadfast, being faithful, being dependable. And the contrast to that which is fleeting, false. And so truth is steadfast, faithful, dependable. And so we have the true light that gives light to everyone. The truth. 
the faithful and dependable light that was going to be given to everybody, not just to one particular group, but the truly dependable, faithful, steadfast light that was going to be given to everybody is coming into the world. It says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. It says, and though the world was made through him, specifying that okay, this one that's being born, this new, this incarnate, this word of God, this new light that is the light for all, this hope, is it created? He is the creator. In the beginning was the word. He was there at the very beginning. He wasn't the creator, or he wasn't the created, he is the creator. And he goes on to say, the world did not recognize. And actually, this is in the NIV. And everything I read said the NIV is kind of a poor translation. It's not just that he, that they did not recognize him. See, because a recognize him, you can know somebody, not recognize him because, you know, maybe it's been a little while or. Maybe they have a beard now and they didn't before. Maybe their hair is different. So you know somebody, but we don't recognize them. This was different. It was more than they just didn't recognize him. It was that they didn't know him. And if we need to understand, it's biblical words, no. A-N-O-W is not just that head beat. When you know someone in the Bible is to have a intimate relationship. Throughout the Bible, when it talks about a man meaning his wife, and therefore then children came as a result of that deep, intimate relationship that they share. And so it's more than just they didn't recognize, it's that they didn't know him. They didn't have that deep, intimate relationship with God. Even though the written word had been there. Eve themselves, they had been with them from the very beginning. And they had the history. They had the stories. They had the head knowledge, but they didn't mean they have that intimate relationship. The knowing Jesus is so much greater than knowing back about him. Knowing the story of who he is and what he did. The world had at the time, and some could stay still as a very dark relationship with our creative and with our loving thought. We were missing throughout all that history, something we missed God, it wasn't God. God was there in it begins. The story is just present with there from the beginning. Some came more is necessary. And God's from his vantage point. Say, but he knew something. You miss something? Something that gives you some. And you were the greatest gift ever. But you move on. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive. Again, as I read, Jesus came to his keeper. He came. Within his own community, he came to the people that knew he was coming. Remember that written word. I mean, I should have put that up here, but have you seen that? There's a there's a picture out there that shows like a colored rainbow of all the connections of Old Testament, the New Testament prophecy. Have you seen that picture? 
It's like going around social media everywhere. I've seen it three or four times. My daughter sent it to me a couple months ago, but it's showing all the connections between Old Testament and New Testament, the prophecy that has been fulfilled in Christ. They had all of that. They had the history. They had the story. They had the prophecy that he was coming, and he came to those people that had those stories. And it says they did not receive him. They could take it a step further. Not only did they not accept him, but they took it a step further and they concluded that. There's much more than you don't agree. You don't know the story of these tragedy that leads to great opportunity for us, but the, the sheer rejection of the one that they had been waiting for, that they had been sweet stories about forever. But Jesus himself talked about this later on in this book, in John chapter 3. Jesus said, he's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, comes to him late at night and, and starts asking him some questions. He didn't come during the daytime because he didn't want anyone seeing him going to talk to Jesus because he's a Pharisee. He's supposed to really know and he's not supposed to connect with this Jesus but he comes to him late at night and is asking him some questions. And this is part of Jesus' response. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People love the darkness, even though the light is present. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But Jesus knew, I'm here. I am the light. I am the hope. I am the living word of God. I am the incarnation, the word made flesh. And I know that you are all rejected. Getting the back, it's listed his own, but his own rejected. Get all who did receive him to those who believed in his, he gave the rights to be some of the children of God. Well, John was very careful about this. And he talks about, yet to all who did receive him and all who believed in his name. There is a receive that is a now. It is just a thing. But there is also in the original language, there is a receive that is a verb. It's aggressively accept with intention. So John is saying, yet to all who aggressively accept Christ, with intention, not just okay. I ask, yes, reality, yeah. There is an aggressive receiving with intention. I, I think it's on the and they're playing right now, probably leading to the Raiders. I'm, I'm not really concerned about that. But what I have the image I have in my mind is a kick returner waiting for that ball to come. And he's not going to fair catch a kicker. If he catches that thing, he has every intention of blasting through every person standing in his way to get to the end zone. That's what I think of when we look at this word, the verb receive, to aggressively receive with intention. So we're catching what Christ is giving with every intention, not just Go up and down, you take it and eat. We're catching up, dang, with the eyes 
a hundred yards down the path. A lot of obstacles we see that we're going to go right through or right on your over them, to them, however, but we're going to do everything that we can once we get this deal. And we're going to take it to them. We're seeing these little birds. Believe. There is a noun for believe. This is the verb for believe. I don't get how you can verb believe, but there are the two differences. And everything I read says John was very purposeful in how he used the verb receives and the verb believe because he's trying to stress to people this is an active thing. It's not just passively that we, we just did it. We receive it. We believe it in our head. It's you receive it aggressively with intention and we believe it. Aggressively with intention, we believe and we receive this word. Jim purposely avoids the mouth. You do the thing is something that we can get. John is saying, yes, it is some things that we get. But it's not just breath to death, breath to death. There's something more cheap. And he's very All actively receive and believe. He gave his lights to become his children. Again, that's a, that's a boot pants like those who actively receive and those who actively believe he empowers. He gives the power to determine children. That gives us the power. The move forward is aggressively the ways that he's he is the one he drives he is that motivating force within us. It's not just a receive and take a knee. It's receive, believe, and God gives us the most work. Yes, patient comes by grace as a gift. You don't earn it. See, there's there's this trickiness in it is an active faith. It is an active receiving, but it's not about our action. It's about the free gift of faith, grace by faith in Christ. But God tells us, he grows within us, and he drives forward when he received and believed with action. See the church then, which church now, in a little bit we'll read from James 2, the church in between. When Jesus was here, the church, it wasn't officially the church, but we get it. After Jesus left the, the church, and today the church, we sometimes too often focus on our head knowledge, our ideas, the nouns of this, the noun of believing, the noun of receiving. It's something that we just have in here. And we're so heavily focused on head knowledge, belief, fat, in spite of John, ear intention, stayeth more than just what's in my head. It's about how it enters things in my head and it transforms my heart because it bows God. In James 2, in this writing, we poorish people, you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless. 
from how that does. Yeah. 20 should be on the bottom. 20 easily comes after 18 and 19. Why well, I paused for a minute thinking, wait a second, that's the end. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. What James is reminding us that people will see our faith. People will see our belief when we receive it aggressively with intention. They'll see it lived out, flowing out of us in all that we do. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that. You believe? Great. Here's a good step. But if it stays there, if it stays with the knowledge of belief. It doesn't transform into the verb of belief and the aggressive receiving with intention. Is reminding us the good in it. It's always this fine worry. You don't earn our salvation. It is a free gift to pay. It's the grace that God gives us by our faith. Ends with me, ends in my head, in my heart, and it doesn't come exploding out of me. Leems and John are both saying, wait a second, there's more. There's more to it than you. If our head knowledge and, in, and if information about the word was enough, I did beat to seek. If it was about just getting it in our head, then Jesus never, the word never needed to become flesh. Because we have the story. We have the history. We have all those incredible miracles that God's people walked through with God by their side. And if that was enough, that understanding, that brain knowledge, information, if that was enough, then there was no point in people. But God saw that we needed But to all who did receive it, believed in me, he gave power to become children. Not children born, not naturally have descent or have human decisions, or of a husband's will, but forming of God. And he's saying that yet, not out of voices that other people make. Not because I used to be a pastor, and so my kids are fine. My kids are good because I used to be a pastor, so they're safe. They're going to be saved. It's not because I've made some good decisions. Then, I, you know, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. So I'm, I'm going to be good, you know. I tip the scales. Not because I give a good tithe. Or because I, I you know, I, I work in service for families that fight them. I give my life and serve families that fight them. And so then I'm safe. It's good. I think it's punch. There's so much more to it that free gift that God gives that we leave as less than we get it for free because he loves it. Oh boy, that you will search good by sin. It just keeps us out laid at night. There's so much bigger. Keep it. Be born of God. Or there's a one and only servant. He was the above. 
Look at the Fiat suit. War in the sky. If we have the new life, thank God. This is also God's gift this life. Made possible by actively receiving the gift. That the word became flesh. With the word, it came living, breathing flesh. Became human in our present frail and mortal condition. The God of all power and might weeps and seeble wept. Why? And it's not only that. That's from what I understand, Richie Hutchinson talked about how the aid his game is ever that he dwelt in your present. He pitched his tent. He tabernacled with us. He, the tabernacle represented the, the place of the law, the living, the abode of God, God's home, the source of revelation, the site of sacrifice, and the focus of worship. God's name and tabernacled with in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was all those things, place of law, the house of God, the source of revelation, the site of sacrifice, and the focus of worship. Now in this new covenant, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means that Jesus became all of these things. Jesus is the place of the law. Jesus is the living, breathing, own existence of God. Jesus is the source of revelation. He is the site of our sacrifice. He is the focus of our worship. Jesus became these things, and we have seen his glory. Jesus himself lives, walked, and taught and on Earth costs. So often I hear food to say, you know, if I could just stand beside you, that's right. Then I was tight. I could see him, and I could feel him, and I could touch him, then I was believe because you know, he was being real. He is. If we're lucky, you breathe. And we've seen his glory. Unto past grace, while tenderness, wisdom, surety. Jesus walked that weird dichotomy of majesty and meekness, richness and poverty, power and meteor. He navigated all those things, the beatitude, how he lived, finding that happy medium between two extremes, power, weakness, richness, poverty. The end should be contrasting to improve that. The lawyers of wine all the sun, kings do the fight, all the food, world of grace. If John doesn't use this word grace outside of this chat, no, during chapter young, he mentions it a couple. He said, he wanted power in this word grace. And these two things, grace and truth, are the epitome of who God is. The mission of Jesus was unique in the history of the world. He's perfectly blended these two most important qualities by me. And he lived it in front of them, displayed them in a game switching out. 
He became homeless. He showed us some glory. He offered his grace to boost. He literally dwelt among us. He gave us the power to become his sons and daughters. Oh, be thanks. But so when you say something, you will encourage it. You know, back in the day, we, our daughter, he's a college, she came back to college wearing a bracelet that had the blast in like 15 years ago. And what would Jesus do, bracelet? Okay? What would Jesus do in a situation that you're facing? Ask yourself, what would you do? And it always kind of bugs me. Because in many cases, we know what he did. What I always ask myself is, how did you? How did he do it? H-B-J-B-I. It's not just what would he do. The great thing about this incarnation. And living, breathing, where is God? Where? Well, I mean, why? Yes, he came to save he came to redeem us. But in all that time, he actually showed us how to eat. One thing that has hit me in these last couple of weeks is I'm thinking about the end. Why did Jesus die? Yeah, he came, we came to redeem you. He should die on the cross so that my sin could be different. And he seems to show me how to watch the bigger. He came to show me how to live every single day in my own body and living for God. That's why he, that's another one of the reasons why the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he does one. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. That's their presentation by graffiti. He could live the answers. All these questions. He lived it in front of us. He lived it among us so that way we could know how to hear this light. In the best way that we do in fighting. Am I being for him? Well, as a pastor for Sitchin's every Easter message at the same time. Different messages, but it would say teachings. I did God's three down every sleep. You could fully give it. And be chose us. He does not want. He does not want to miss. He does not want us to miss him. He shared his word, we being Sierra. But did you live good word? With us, I can done it. And she's in my Gives us every opportunity and not miss him to live with her. She and I, if you did my research, I did not realize what had the Timsus was in the but words about pride. And we had that. But I did not know that he had been followed by it. And I ran across this book. It was the most cherished dyslexia 
I wish I could leave thee with my face can be. And with him and nothing else teaching you how. With him and nothing else teaching you how. But without him, it is all out. And you ever. Is the living deeper. And living in these days, racy, true. How well, how many times need it to not follow me? And we just think that we lose that I see motivate win. He's willing that you should guide him. He walk this path that pain, suffering, and joy. But I'm walking. And I know that he's the effort of each of us. And that we all to him. But and he showed me how the dog just asked him there. That's what the information do. And that thing made me leave. Then a lot of sins issue, you know, a lot of pain in our lives and you timed all back to the course to you know, how deep inside you know that you said and you all you've experienced far more far more while far more heartbreaks. You broke in a relationship, and they have at just you. They gave you with Katie, gave us. You have cherished yourself. We should leave you with my ASD. I will follow you. It's a basic thing in words. Just for the seat. Father, thank you that you changed to live with us. Thank you, Father, that we chose us and you continue to choose. And you keep making yourself. Thank you, Father. For loving us so much that you used to move us where you are. Oh, me too. And you stand with Guide us. And help us to breathe as you power it. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.